Welcome to the crusty, cr- I mean, the backlog breakdown, where we're all about money. Money, money, money. Oh, it's that thing that I like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Today we're talking about cold, hard cash. No, I actually, I'm not even sure. It's something in the financial realm. And for that, because uh, we're just a bunch of knuckleheads here, Josh. And, Nate, and the last time we talked host. about Game Stonks, we did get a message from a friend who was like, dude, that is the worst explanation <laughs> slash overview yeah. I have ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. You have no idea That's what true. you're talking about. And we were like, duh. That's true. That's true. That's so. true. <laughs> no rebuttal. So we brought on someone who actually knows what he's talking about. Mr. Michael, I, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, and I feel bad. So my last name is I've been Brock saying Lowe, it, Bowmeister. So yeah, is it Bowmeister? I've heard Bowmeister. Bowmeister is the way that we go by it. So uh, okay. Bowmeister, okay. okay. Yeah. See, those were the two. Those were vying for the positions. <laughs> I was also thinking Burgermeister, but I didn't think that would quite fit. Well, so, you know what? This is, I am 0 for 2 on this because uh, longtime friend of the show, Jesse Knopp, yes. I said his name as just Knopp, like, because I, I knew a guy who was Nap, but it was K N A P P. It was one letter vowel off, and I was like, it's got to be the same. And, and I was like, nope, I'm wrong. Definitely, I'm super <laughs> guy, wrong. Known this guy for years. Didn't know that's how you actually and pronounce I the K. Did not know how to N? say his name. How I'm does the that worst. work? Because <laughs> I'm <Well>. the worst. <laughs> There you go. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be yeah, talking finances. You know, we talk about backlogs and we talk about finances this time. Hashtag backlog uh, with some finances, buddy. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it yeah. back. Thank you, Davey B. Shout out uh, to sweet baby Davey B. <laughs> sweet baby. I was surprised that that came off as like smoothly <laughs> as it did. Like I was expecting a whole lot more of like a <laughs> kind of it, yeah. in there. If you, Just roll right off. Hopefully, yeah, if you're listening to this at, you know, like two or three times speed, it probably sounded like that, but. I sound like Ben Shapiro at two to three times speed. Except not quite as articulate. But Um, anyways. not quite as aggressive. (laughs) Oh, that's true. I don't know, if you listen to the bro hangs. I might, yeah, I might have him beat on just sheer aggressiveness, but like the (laughs) passive aggressive, I just, nope, can't touch that. Yeah, that's true. And your wife's not a doctor, so. You know, yeah, you and can't bring I, that up every I time. don't Anyways. talk about the fact that my wife is a teacher every episode. <laughs> so My wife is um, a teacher, Josh. Did you know that? I have heard. And because I, your I, wife's a teacher, I'm sure you have lots of thoughts on teaching. Mike, Michael is just, he's, he's kind of like, oh, wait, what, what did I get myself did I get into? Myself? <laughs> We're this all good. dangerous. <laughs> yeah, we always, we like to start the show crashing and burning so that you can only go up from here hey know? we're we're once, on our way up exactly yes. yeah once it's like like stonks wreckage. we're gonna go to the moon <gasps> oh that uh, is a great hey, segue if we didn't have other things to talk about before we jump into that i was gonna what say was before we go to the moon let's just play mm-hmm. a little bit of catch up and just sort of see how uh, our guest has been doing so mm, you've never been on the show before michael but how have you been in the last I don't know. How, how's, how's the last couple of weeks been for you? Great. You know, I'm uh, being financial planner. Um, I'm out of, well out of tax season at this point. So that's been a huge plus. Uh, last couple <laughs> months, have been slow down in things in total. So uh, I'll say that nice. you know, never too soon to start thinking about extension season. So that's in the back of my mind a little bit. <laughs> Other than that, we're all good. Good, 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 good. 
Awesome. Joshua, how, how are you? How have you been I'm in great. the last week? It has not. Yeah. It has <laughs> not. Been two weeks. <laughs> it's been. It's been. Uh, yeah. So it's it's been it's been good. It's been a good week. Um, it, you know, still in between classes, which is really nice. Having a bit of free time, being able to knock stuff off my to do list. I had gotten a. I shared it in the Discord, but I had gotten a uh, pole saw for Father's Day couple yeah. months ago well what last month i guess and i hadn't been able to use it it's been off and on rainy here and it just schedules didn't work out so i was able to use that over the weekend trim some trees i actually chopped down a tree which was pretty cool i was expecting a little more i was expecting it to be not necessarily more difficult but i was expecting there to be more damage done and luckily i was able to kind of guide the tree as it fell you know so it was nice it was not i was super tired by the end of the day Made me feel old. Made me feel my age. Yeah, it's it's been good. How are you doing, Nate? Uh, pretty good. Life is beautiful in the United States Postal Service. And by beautiful, I mean like semi-apocalyptic, but you know. Uh, only semi. Only semi. Yeah, we're, we're down to semi. And no, actually, things have been pretty good, man. Uh, I talked about sort of the exploding outlet situation from mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. We've managed to just sort of i think we're we're sort of at a point where we've got everything sort of sussed out figured out um Sweet. i did find out my homeowner's insurance policy the deductible is a thousand dollars and so it okay. was like it wasn't even worth uh worth it for us to file a claim yeah just because like you know the stuff that was ruined was easily replaced or just like yeah it's, yeah. Like a, it's an old tv that we weren't really using all that much anyways so it's like they're going to cut me a check for 50 bucks. Yep. So, but yeah, I mean, things have been pretty good. I had a chance on Sunday to just sort of catch up with an old friend of mine. He he went to church. Well, Megan and I went out to lunch with him. He came to church with us and then uh, on his way up to visit his girlfriend, meeting her parents Okay, uh, for the first time. So, Sean. Fun. We hope that if you're listening to this, I hope that went well. I'll probably talk to you at some point in time, but uh, it was just it was it was good. So it's it's just sort of been a pretty low key week. I, I had a few kind of stressful days, but like for the most part, mm. it's I mean it's life. Yeah, I I see what you mean by semi apocalyptic. Yeah, only slightly. Only only <laughs> slightly. Like there was only one day out of the mm-hmm. the six that I worked that I wanted to burn down the 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 town that i live in Mm. you know you heard it here first folks (laughs) i say that in jest (laughs) i do not actually have any intentions of burning down the town that i live in i'm just let the record stand yes yes on the record i so all right let's let's do the backlog report let's let's roll into this this report here only the finest of holy work. <laughs> Excellent. All right. <laughs> well, Michael, um, since you're our guest, why don't you go first? Why don't you tell us, and I know that it you don't have like two weeks worth of video games and stuff, but tell us something that you've been playing, something that you've been reading, anything you've been watching, anything you want to sort of share with the, uh, the, the fine listeners of the Backlog Breakdown or the people who are hate listening to us. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of them. Get something to start the hate listeners going. But uh, <laughs> no. Well, actually, I do have one that'll get someone for the hate listeners and probably a lot of the actual listeners because I feel like a lot of you guys are very hardcore retro gamers. So mm-hmm. I am uh, completing my 
first Final Fantasy experience. Okay. Not ah. In uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Okay. Okay. I've heard um, it's good. I, I hear the, I hear the, oh, he's not a real Final Fantasy fan yet. <laughs> um, Listen, I mean, Final Fantasy that. VII is trash, uh, so you're probably <laughs> playing the optimal version anyways. Well, here's the part that you guys are going to, I might get kicked off the call immediately for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ears perked up. Um, turn-based RPGs, I think that they are not the best. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. See, now, if you had come out with some real fire, just been like, anybody who likes turn-based RPGs should be drowned and is morally culpable for, mm-hmm. like, the, the Holocaust, at that point in time, we probably would have just kicked <laughs> Ooh, you off. I mean, if you want to go with that, I could say something along the lines of, you know, It's like, if you like turn-based JRPGs, you are a Nazi, you know? And it's like, whoa, whoa. I think my, we need to infamous, talk about definitions here. My infamous harsh take on turn-based RPGs, if I if I go the extreme route, is they're a relic of a gaming system that couldn't run in live action combat. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, absolutely. They're, they're essentially outdated, is what I tell people, and people mm-hmm. don't like it when I say that. I mean, you're not wrong, <laughs> but I still like them. <laughs> Octopath proves me wrong, so I'm okay with that. Oh, oh man, love that game. Okay, see, I thought you were going to say something along the lines of like, I deal with Excel sheets all day at work. Why would I want to come home and deal with that when I play my video games? There's <laughs> <laughs> that too. I would say that, but then at the same time, I'm a huge fan of some some stuff like uh, Kingdom Hearts. That's kind of my like my go to. Okay. I'm oh kid. man. <laughs> We have we have very different tastes. That is correct. That. When I that. heard Dark Souls talk earlier, I was like, ooh, uh-huh. man, he likes pain. What's wrong with him? <laughs> I don't know. So do you, though. I, I mean, as a Kingdom Hearts fan, there, like, <laughs> there is, like, you are a sucker for pain. Like, you are asking to be abused because the incoherent, <laughs> the sheer incoherent mess that is that storyline is like, that's painful. That's painful. How, I'm, how not gonna, I'm not going to debate that topic. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm, I'm only curious how many, if, if uh, you're you know, a fan of the series, how many of the games have you played? Are you just like, you just do mainline or do you play the spinoffs and stuff like that? I have, I've, I actually just wrapped up a couple of weeks ago playing mm-hmm. um, Melody of Memory. Okay. Way better than it had any right to be. The, yeah, I've heard that one's really good. And that if, if, if I were to get into another one, it would be that one. Although, I, I mean, I've heard two is better than one, so I might eventually get around to two. I, I will two actually is, go on if record. You, if you haven't played two, two is like my top ten of all time games. Two okay. is actually really excellent. Like, okay. It is probably one of the cleanest games I've ever played. Okay. Does that have to do with the, the main theme? With it being so clean? <laughs> I know now they're available like on every system. They've re-released like the collections and stuff like that, so they're super available. Yes. So I have played nearly all of them. Okay. I haven't played the one that was on the 3DS. I never owned a 3DS, and I didn't realize until recently that that was actually one of the playable games on the re-releases. I thought that that was like the DS games, where the DS games on like the PS3 and stuff like that are just the video or just the movies of it uh yeah mm-hmm. so i've played through just about everything else that you can play through except for 
I played a little bit of the mobile game, and it was way too. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. The gacha games, and I. <laughs> don't don't those like actually give you some story or maybe i'm thinking yes, of the no, one that was the like <laughs> okay okay wasn't there even like a browser game that has like some significance to this to the overall story i might just be thinking of the mobile There's, one. i don't know I don't, I don't think it was browser necessarily but it was okay, it, okay. it's basically like a previous like mobile type okay. game yeah no okay. it was there's a lot built into that. That's also why I think Melody of Memory was great because for, for if a person didn't play all of those, it actually recaps all those stories, including all of the random side things. Oh, wow. But well, it also I, doesn't take you six hours to figure that out. It's about yeah. a five-minute venture, and it tells you all you need to know from those. <laughs> that, uh, I think that's, that encapsulates that, uh, that whole thing. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, sorry. Sorry for the detour there. No. Um, uh, so not a fan of turn-based RPGs. Cool. Um, what were you saying? Oh, because you were just finishing your Final Fantasy VII remake. Yes. So did you finish that, or are you like towards no, the end? No, I, I say I'm finishing it. I think I'm okay. probably still like 60% of the way. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, so I'm, I still got a ways to go, but I'm like officially sucked in. Okay, nice. Nice. Uh, I've... Uh, yeah. I've heard good things about it uh even though i i have it on on ps plus but i never actually started it up because uh ye old backlogs you know let's say and that's actually the game that is sucking me into the i i never thought i would be this person but the 60 frames per second person uh, it is uh between that and control they've both gotten me nice so then are you playing it on ps5 yeah okay mm. okay mm. 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 <laughs> You guys and your your current gen consoles. We're living in the future, Josh. <laughs> Futures now. We're just living in the past at this point. Yes. Nice. So Final Fantasy VII Remake, have you been yes. into anything else? Knocking yeah, off I'd, the backlog? Or? I feel like I've actually been juggling some of the most. I'm, I'm normally a one-game person, and that's okay. it. But I've been playing that. I just wrapped up, but I'm still going to be playing more Pokemon, new Pokemon Snap. Okay. Okay, nice. Um, enjoyed that a whole heck of a lot i was hoping to and it's a lot of care got put into that game i feel so mm. i've been liking that um and then i mean I, yeah. say what you want about nintendo and some of their general practices they as a general rule though really do take care of their properties very well like i would say that but pokemon sword and shield that would <laughs> <laughs> You, you weren't a fan of Pokemon Sword and Shield. I like he, when it comes to Pokemon games, I'm like, oh, they exist. That's neat. Like, and it's kind of like, I'm, I'm like, that is like baby's first RPG as far as I'm concerned. And I, I'm kind of like, I never got into them. That's fair. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the, the infamous image of like what everyone wants. Like, we all think that we're Nintendo's target audience, and our mm -hmm. and Nintendo's target audience is actually 12. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I've been playing that. And then I'll say the other thing that I've got, um, my wife might be sick of it at this point, I'm not sure, but I've got an ongoing, I don't think it's ever stopped for the past five years, but uh, I'm a big Overwatch guy. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, do you play pretty regularly? Fairly regularly, yes. Okay. Uh, who's your, like, do you ask mine? I like Overwatch, and when it first came out, I played a lot. Uh, but I also have this like, 
I like first person shooters, but I am not competitive in any way, shape or form. Like, like I am, but I'm not good competitive. I'm like competitive. Like when I lose, I get mad competitive. <laughs> so, uh, overwatch has been like, sort of like, it's, it's the same way that I feel about fighting games. It's like, I love it, but I actually like refrain from playing it a whole lot unless the one of the things I've I've kind of been interested in doing is getting, um, especially with the news that Overwatch Two is going to have a five v five mode because I, I might get Overwatch Two because I'm kind of a sucker. Um, but I I'd like to get five or six people in for like a maybe fail, fairly regular like weekly or bi weekly play, just hang out. But anyways, I sorry sidetrack. So who do you main on Overwatch? I'm a little bit all over the place. Um, for a while, I was pretty big into Sigma. I'll say I'll still, I still am. I'm, I'm generally some type of tank role. Okay. I play with my brother pretty often, so um, I'll either go Sigma, Rhine is another big one. Sigma is like a super interesting tank, but the skill level to, to play him effectively eludes me. I won't say, I won't promise, say I'm good by any means. I'm a... Uh, I'm a, if you know the ranks, I'm a gold plat somewhere in their tank. So I'm kind of just smack dab in the middle of, in terms of skill. But at the same time, he's so much fun to play. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that I do a pretty good job of knowing when I need to switch off of him. So at the same time, if I'm having a bad game, I'll go back to Ryan, who's a little bit easier to play. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you do, so you mostly tank though? Mostly tank. If I play other things, um, I like Ana a lot. Okay. When I'm playing healer, I wish I was good with BAP, but uh, I'm I'm sadly not. So uh, don't really play much of him. And then in terms of DPS, I kind of go with whatever is big at the moment. Um, I played a lot of McCree previously. But he's been hurt a little bit, so Reaper is a pretty regular choice of mine. Yeah, I mean, Once again, my brother plays a lot of Zarya, so I kind of pairs well with all of that. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I mean, Josh is just kind of like, I have no idea what they're talking about. I shooters, my best friend, you know, Parker, he and I kind of like, I, I was like, dude, you need to check out Overwatch. And so we were playing a little bit and then he started watching Overwatch League and it actually, he doesn't play at all anymore. And I refuse to watch Overwatch League because if I wanted to feel bad about myself, I'd hop on Call of Duty and have some 12-year-old insult me. So it it actually kind of ruined playing Overwatch for him um, because he's like like watching all this high-level play. And I'm like, dude, I mean, I've watched some of it, but it's just like sometimes the plays that these guys and they're all playing on PC. So it's like the, the degree of control and stuff like watching these dudes like run like roughshod through a map with like wrecking ball is insane oh yeah that's and that's the thing is like that's why i'm one of the people that doesn't i don't stick too hard to what's meta you get a lot of console and other overwatch players at the skill level that i play they're like hey why you switch off this person he's not meta he's get out of here that's like (laughs) what's meta by your definitions is a team of basically professionals that are doing six-man practices for hours a day yeah to coordinate all of this stuff well it's i don't know if you've listened to any of the episodes where i've sort of ranted about mtg arena 
and I, I'm not trying to go too far down that road, but part of my <laughs> problem with arena right now is that meta dominates every, like, I just want to play a lot of like casual pickup games and you've got these guys, it's all like red deck wind builds. It's all Demir rogues. It's, you know, and it's, it's like, it's like I'm playing the same five decks and I'm just like, I'm getting frustrated because I'm like, dude, this is casual. This is like, like I, if I wanted to play constructed, like limited ranked format, I'd be playing those games. I don't understand why you're playing a basic, and it, part of it is because those are all copy and paste decks. And so they're not going to go anywhere. They, they've probably already ranked out wherever they would be in ranked matches. And so they're just, instead of building something new and interesting to play around with, they're kind of like, they just go through and just get some wins. Feels yeah. good to win. And it's like, hey, I, I get it. I like to win too, but. It's yeah. Those are the kind of players that just kind of like I go, ah! <laughs> like you know. I'm just like why. But uh, anyways, you know. So we've already sidetracked you with talking about Kingdom Hearts and Overwatch. Um, have you been reading anything interesting that you feel like you know might be inter- like something that you'd like to pass along? And again, all of this is just like you don't have to volunteer no, anything, I- but if you want to, you can. Not for a while. I've, I've been reading like a, a graphic novel. It's I forget what it's called, but it's like the history of video games in graphic novel form or basic, something like that. And oh, it's wow. fun. There's a ton of references. Like they're just constantly making you know Final Fantasy, Tomb Raider, uh, you know, whatever. Basically, if there's a semi-recognizable video game character, they just toss them in into whatever they want. Mm-hmm. along with the actual detailed history like it's a it's a decently length book and there's a lot of words but i've been enjoying it nice. uh, sounds like fun I, I do some audiobooks here and there but nothing nothing major recently cool cool um cool, well cool, cool 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 it's only been a week so i haven't uh had much time to to put into anything so uh really radiant historia again playing more of that um it is for the most part turn based, but it's a different kind of like grid system. Uh, <laughs> um, but really, I've only beaten another uh, another chapter in that game, so nearing the end, but still a bit more to go. So hopefully, by next episode, I'll finally have that done. Uh, hopefully, especially by the time I start my next class, um, I'd like to have that one finished so that uh, and I'm loving it. Like, don't get me wrong, uh, I do really enjoy the game, but I just have so many other games to play. Uh, that I need to finish that one up so that we can keep going and uh, beat Horizon Zero Dawn and then start in on Control and mm. and uh, Baldur's mm, Gate. Mm, so mm. looking forward to those. Uh, that's all that I've been playing in terms of uh, watch, you know, the, uh, the things that I've been getting into. Really, it's just kind of like dumb movies to turn on at the end of the day to hang Chip. out with the wife. Uh, we just watched uh, Young Frankenstein. Yes. Yes, exactly. Chip. Um, we just watched Young Frankenstein. Well, we actually split it up into two nights because it was getting a little late. And uh, um, I hadn't watched that movie in a long time. And I forgot how much innuendo was in that movie. So I was like, oh, I'm glad we put the kids to bed before we started watching this. Um, but anyways, uh, in terms of reading, I actually haven't been... Um, listening to to any like actual kind of audiobooks what's happened is that i've uh well everyone knows i'm a nerd obviously have a video game podcast 
but I I get these like obsessions every once in a while of just like getting into something new for a little while and, and trying different things out. And uh, my current obsession is I decided, hey, why not? I'll just go ahead and try learning another language. Yeah, that'll be fun. Why not? So I've been I've been listening to uh, some introductory Japanese books. Uh, so so, you so learning a bit of that filthy mm-hmm. weeb. weeb. Yes, yes, yes. That that would be me. I, I'm um, mostly saying that out of just jealousy. <laughs> there's there's some good stuff on Hoopla. I've I've been very impressed. But then also because because it's like an obsession kind of a thing. Like I want to I want to kind of learn like figure out what are some some good ways to actually learn this. You know, like instead of anyway. So I've been looking into different things. Uh, apparently, immersion is like really is a really good way to start learning. So. Um, I tried the other day watching some Ultraman without subtitles just to like listen to the language so that I'm not like just reading the English on the bottom, you know, no subtitles. So uh, trying to figure out what's going on with that. And like I'm not understanding most of it, but you kind of get little bits and pieces. Your brain starts picking up on little things, um, which is, it's fun. Uh, it's interesting. I've Japanese has multiple... Alphabets. I don't know how much it, I, any of you guys know about it. There's an alphabet for like standard Japanese kind of letters, but they're the letters. They're sounds. Most of them are both consonants and vowels put together. So ku is a sound as a, or is a is a letter as opposed to just the k or just the u, which the u can be another letter. Anyways, there's one set for like traditionally Japanese words. There's another set for foreign words that they've taken from other languages. And then there's a set of like Chinese characters. There's over like 50,000 of these characters that mean different words, which is just insane. And I haven't even tried to get into those. Um, But at this point, after the past couple weeks of just like trying, I've gotten down that first alphabet of, of sound. So I know what those are and I've started in on the second alphabet. So I'm having fun with that. Uh, I don't know how long I'm going to, like I would like to, commit to to learning um however i also realize that it's it's because i'm in between classes that i'm able to kind of like focus on i say focus on it not even like i'm not pouring a bunch of time into it it's more just like instead of listening to an audiobook i'll listen to this for a little while and try you know like actually think about it and then i downloaded an app to help me learn the alphabet kind of a thing so so it's really just taking up time that i would be listening to something else and or on social media it's not taking a ton of time but i also recognize that you know that might be filled up by other things once school starts again i don't know we'll see but those are the things that i've been into over the past week so how about you nate what do you have to report on um i gotta get my book oh a whole book whole book uh no, I'm just old and I prefer things analog. Uh, so let's see. I'll just start out with books. I am on to another uh, book in the Black Company series mm-hmm. by Glenn Cook. Mm-hmm. I'm on Soldiers Live, which I think is the is the final book in the story arc. And then there's one more, but it's it's a bunch of like pre sequel kind of stuff, and it it ta- it's like. It's the last book published, but it actually takes place, sort of fills in some gaps uh, from significantly earlier on in the timeline. Uh, And here's one for you. Uh, I finally, after almost a year, finished Anna Karenina. Whoa. 
And that book nice. is amazing. Okay, like this is going to sound really weeby, and I kind of don't care. But I just talked about Japanese. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm gonna like if you've ever watched any slice of life anime stuff. Anna Karenina is sort of a slice of life great Russian novel. And it's sort of the examination of this time period of these like five individuals. Um, and Anna Karenina is one of them. And it, but and just sort of their lives and it's sort of like it sort of walks through some of the psychology behind their decisions and just it's fascinating and it's really a compelling read. The Pavar uh, and Vronsky translation is the one I read. Like it's heavy. And it mm -hmm. takes a while. Like, I mean, it took me like almost a year, uh, but that's mostly because I just don't read the way that I used to either. Um, but it is excellent and I recommend it. In fact, I recently picked up a Kindle version of War and Peace by the same okay. translating uh, duo. But I'm not going to read that anytime too soon um, just because <laughs> uh, I got to gotta put some space in there. Uh, as far as like lighter reading goes, uh, in addition to the Black Company, I have a 30-day free trial comicsology, and okay. uh, I'm reading Once in Future, which is sort of it's sort of an examination of uh, Arthurian legend, and it's okay. it's kind of this guy basically finds out that like his family is he's he comes from a, a line of monster hunters, and that part of it is that like all these stories kind of actually exist and they're, they're sort of like cycles and rhythms and there's two different worlds. It's weird. And it's kind of just, I'm, I like it because I like mm -hmm. weird things that examine story and just themes. And so that's really it as far as reading goes. Cause yeah, it's only been a week, but yeah, I just, I, I felt like the need to just say, yes, Anna Karenina is finally done. Um, yeah, yeah, that is quite the accomplishment. And it's, I just think it's, it's one of those things where I'm probably going to try and pick it up again here within a, like in a year or two and just reread mm -hmm. it. Cause it's, it's one of those books that I think deserves to be read and reread, um, which there aren't a ton of those. Um, I mean, I, there are, but Yeah. <laughs> that's because we have millions of books written um but anyways uh as far as games go i also you know put another one in the column here and i, I actually need to update my score in the book club and in the discord and i still haven't done that uh i so last week i finally sort of you know closed the books on moonlighter this week parker and mm -hmm. i finally closed the books on darksiders genesis okay uh I would sort of rate that at like a six, seven, like it's a should play, but with some heavy caveats, like it's kind of like mm -hmm. one of those things it like it's more water uh, or too much water. That's what it is. They need to get rid I of this stupid 3d platforming <laughs> in that game. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's sort of a top down isometric action RPG and they want to put in these like 3d platforming, segments that just don't work and actually mm -hmm. detract from the gameplay it's not terrible but it's not good and but the the actual action of the game is good the storyline is kind of like it's a six ish okay it's 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 a game it's fun if you like diablo 
and that kind of experience. This is an interesting little universe. It's a it's a fun game with some interesting mechanics, but it's not like it's like it's a should play with some heavy caveats. You know, it's like the best. It's like I think it's cool. It's pretty stylish. I think it's got a decent combat loop, but overall, you're not gonna miss anything. Like if you pass on it either, so it's a play should play kind of thing. We also, since we did that, we, we, I installed and have started up Vermintide two and that game is weird and I love it. Um, Hmm. I don't know how long, like, I don't know how sticky that's going to be. It might be like one of those things where you just sort of play through the campaign and move on, but it's a really interesting game. It does like third person fantasy melee shooting. You're basically killing mobs like giant hordes of rat goblin things the skaven is what they're called um Mm -hmm. and it's fun and again this is like one of those games where i'm just like "Eh," if i wasn't playing and that's parker and i are going to play that and we might even rope my brother into that too um so that's sort of like my multiplayer uh game i'm still sort of chewing on control i did finish up Mm -hmm. the uh, the awe dlc i need to go back dude it's it's super worth it. Um, there's a gun that you get. It's basically a grenade launcher, and it's kind of rad. And there's some really cool set pieces. Mild spoiler here. There's like an arcade cabinet that you can go, and it's an AWE. Or it's not an AWE. It's a supernatural. Uh, it's object not, of power, whatever it is. Yeah, it's an object of power, and there's two of them. And when you interact with it, it puts you in sort of like this, almost like an arena mode sort of thing. And so you can just do like, there's a waves thing. And then there's like a, I probably spent no joke, like an hour just playing the first arcade cabinet, just like going through and playing the modes and just having fun. Like I died a lot, but I also, it's, it's worth it. Um, and that gun, the gun that you get is pretty neat. Of, Of course, the, the reality is like, I'm just really just, my big damage comes from like grabbing things and flinging them telekinetically across the room. Um, Upgrade that um, to the max. Dude, multi-grab. I just got multi-grab and I was like, oh, hey, I can, th- I can throw two things now. And it's like, doom, doom. And it's just, yes, it's very Between good. that and the mind control, that's a little, I, I probably played that game broken compared to some people where I only <laughs> upgraded the throwing and the mind control. Mm-hmm. And then I only upgraded the first two guns that you get in the game, the, oh, strap, I've, the pistol I've, and the shotgun. And that's all I upgraded, basically. I switch between the like the spin and shotgun scatter. I mm-hmm. I switch between those two pretty consistently, but Pierce, the sniper rifle thing, has actually been like a constant. And that's because the only reason that's been constant is because it pierces armor. And so those enemies that like want to throw up the shields in case I can't always rip down the shield quick enough, I can actually just like, anyways, yeah, <laughs> love that game. Nice. It's it it's one of those games. It's like in a very different way. It evokes Doom twenty sixteen. Like Doom twenty sixteen is a lot more like it's like metal and screaming and chainsaws <laughs> and like just it's like go 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 in your face yeah but it it has sort of for the some reason like the the style the 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 stylistic combat 
kind of like th- they're two sort of examinations of a very similar type of game with two very different set pieces where like doom 2016 is like a metal hellscape and control is like an episode of the twilight zone but the the gameplay sort of vibes like anyways they're not quite the same like doom is like way more aggressive but mm-hmm. control sort of reminds me of doom 2016 and just like th- that the combat loop is so incredibly satisfying like the gameplay nice. is yes and uh, i turned on the 60 frames a second mode and it, i'm like yeah like yeah <laughs> it looks really good in that mode. i get it it's, yeah and it plays awesome yeah yes. it just, it just ugh, i'm a believer now the the wall shattering as you know things get shot like there's so many little all the little particle pieces it's that's Dude, you're just like ripping stuff out of the walls and it's just like yes this feels very good but it's not just like ps2 era ripping stuff off walls where it feels like there's no consequence like there's a hunk of that wall that's just permanently missing yes hmm Mm. that's cool i'm excited to start playing it whenever i get around to it's it it's super good man and just sort of finishing up on games played ape out i'm still playing a little bit i've mm-hmm. made a tiny bit of progress i'm like close to the end on that one but i just it's kind of like one of those things where i'm like eh. it's it's just like that's my chill game that's like yeah i don't want to sit down because like if i'm playing control it's like carving out a chunk of time like this has my attention like ape out is like kind of like if megan's watching like some weird baking show that i don't want to watch i'm just like and i don't want to read or something i'm just like anyways um other media real quick here just uh if you guys aren't watching it there's uh lego masters the second season of lego masters is on that's a super fun show then i'm just saying like i couldn't do it i tried Mm. Oh, dude, Lego Masters is so good. Like, Will Arnett kind of leaves a lot to be desired as a host. Like, he's he's one of those guys that, like, I don't really care for his brand of comedy. Um, but I have respect for him. But he's just not my flavor. Um, but, like, man, like, the stuff they build, it's so That's rad. Cool. But the show is a little too, like, over the top. Like, oh, look what yeah. they're building. Oh, yeah. something's tipping over. That's yeah. the manufactured reality show nonsense. That's what yeah. I mean. That's yeah. a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah. but the builds Ouch. are so cool. We watched this the, one of the most recent episodes we watched, and it was so heartbreaking. Uh, they, they did a destruction derby where they had to build like these cars and ran them into each other. And the <laughs> one team, like their car was out and they literally drove it right off the table. Like there were like these two zones that you could get pushed out into. And so it was like basically you would ram into the other cars and when they stopped moving, like if they got stuck, that would eliminate them. Or if you too much of the car fell off, that was an elimination. Or there were these two zones where if you managed to push somebody off those zones and the, the one, it was just like he just got the thing and just right off. <laughs> Like just drove right off the table. And you're just going, oh, oh. <laughs> um, it's just like it, it. You could just see on the kid's face he was just like heartbroken. Um, and yeah. it, that I just like the, the way that those people build Lego is crazy. But lastly, making it, Amy Poehler and uh, Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. I want to say Ron Swanson, but 
he he looks so much better with a beard too. Um, the the mustache is don't get me wrong. The Ron Swanson mustache iconic. It's it's beautiful. It's a, it's the only mustache that actually is uh, acceptable in public. <laughs> um, but that show is just like I think what I like about these is they're both very positive sort of like game show reality television. They're very heartwarming, which I appreciate. So. Mm-hmm. But after a day of working at the post office, yes, but you need a glimpse of humanity. I need a gl- and something that might trigger some people. I started uh, just to sort of like see what all the hullabaloo was about. I grew up on He Man. Uh, there's a new Netflix series. I have uh, heard that, the outrage. That, oh, and I don't get it. I mean, I do because people are whiny and want to screech about everything. But it's like I don't. I think it seems like it so far. I'm only two episodes in. It seems like an interesting story. All I'm going to say is like, I, I don't understand. From what I've seen, it's more or less the false advertising, I think, uh, well, for, to keep a veil over exactly what happens. But I think he even says, like, Kevin Smith, like, I, I read an article and he's like, listen, like, yes, in the first episode, something happens and it's major. But like, he's like, this is not what you think it is. <laughs> like, yes, it is what you think it is. But I mean, this is an attempt. Mattel is trying to reboot the He-Man franchise, period. So if you are at all in any way, shape or form invested in like this series, skip the next 30 seconds because I'm going to spoil it. In the first episode, He-Man dies and people hmm. lost their minds. Because the series at this point in time is picked up from Tila's perspective. And they're like, oh, it's super woke and it's this and that. And I'm like, I'm not seeing that. Now I'm only two episodes in and He-Man still features prominently in every episode. Now it's via flashback, but it even sort of like from what I've seen, it seems like they're probably going to bring him back to life somehow. And I'm just like, guys, I don't, I don't get it, but that's me. It's not the first season isn't even done and people have like lost their minds over this thing, but uh, whatever. Well, now that we've done all that and I've probably triggered a whole bunch of people, uh, (laughs) uh, like I am want to do. Um, if you're ready to turn off this podcast, then let's recommend another podcast you should be listening to with this commercial. Yes. Excuse me, may I have a moment of your time to talk about the wonder and beauty of tokusatsu? See, tokusatsu is a Japanese word for special effects and usually refers to the super fun TV shows you watched as a kid with those heroes wearing spandex and those giant rubber monsters with cool explosions and awesome transformations. (sighs) So cool. I happen to be a big fan of it and run a podcast about the entire genre. So if you could just, like, I don't know, subscribe and, and take a listen to my episodes, I'd greatly appreciate it. It's called the Henshin Dad Podcast, and it's it's kind of awesome. <laughs> or at least my, my mom thinks so, but she still hasn't reviewed it on iTunes yet. No. But anyway, thanks for your time. Just just check it out, the Henshin Dad Podcast. It's on Anchor, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, okay, okay, bye! And we're back. Hello. Michael, a while ago, um, like I said, we reached out to you specifically to talk to us about some of the GameStonk stuff. Because when we touched on it, when, and, and yes, we are months behind at this point in time. <laughs> like this is, this is 
like history, but yeah, it's, we thought it's it might still be, overinflated, but not where it was. Yeah, they are not going to the moon on on these stonks. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> not Richard Branson over here. Or, or, Sorry, that's a whole other. Or Jeffrey Jeff, Bezos. Yeah. Bezos. I'd say those are those are very topical mo- mo- moments. So no, that's see we're we're back to current history. <laughs> but um, we we thought we talked about it briefly, and then somebody was like, "Oh no, you guys did a terrible job of explaining this." And I was like, "Well, it's because I'm not a financial advisor in any way, shape, or form. You, however, are." <laughs> Like you, you actually, this is kind of what you do for your job. So we already, you know, in advance, I sort of like, this is not, I'm not blindsiding you here. I did tell you what we were going to talk about. It's not like, oh, hey, we got him on here. It's like, we're going to talk about video games and wham, what do you think about game stonks? Um, yeah, this is, <laughs> you know, um, so can you sort of explain the initial game stonks? kind of thing like what was happening with that stock like the squeeze all of that stuff like and you know to to paraphrase a sitcom which shall not be named explain this to me like i'm five <laughs> there we go i get that one um so uh yeah i'll say this so first thing i'll do the general disclaimer because there's a solid chance that whoever had uh, said you know you did a terrible job explain, explaining it that person might actually come back and uh, say, like, who did you in, who did you look at to get this? <laughs> I am a financial advisor. I can go through this. I thought that for your guys' initial breakdown, it wasn't totally wrong. There was a lot that was right about it. And I think that that alone was the most important piece. The big thing that I think is a great takeaway from all the GameStop stuff and all the, you know, everything that's gone over the past year is there's been kind of a brand new breed, I could say, of investors. I would mm-hmm. say that um, the millennial generation and, you know, it, it seemed like anyone that was, you know, 30s or so and under, it felt like investing was something that rich, stuffy people did to get rich. And that was kind of the only people that invested. Everyone else thought of investing as gambling. Now, not to say that this is the, the game stonk stuff is not gambling because there's a lot of dangers that are going along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it brought a lot of people to start searching things. It, it, I didn't see the search results, but I would love to see how high, what is a shorted stock or what is a short squeeze over the past mm-hmm. six months. Because mm-hmm. it's been, I'm sure, sky high. It's been getting a lot of people interested. So I'll go into some of the basics. I've got a little analogy just so that we can go through that. So before I go into shorting, I'll explain the very, very basics of investing, which is you buy something, wait for it to go up, hopefully, and then you sell when it gets out. When you do this, this is what, in terms of investing, you know, we, we always hear shorting, but what is shorting? What I just explained is kind of the opposite. It's called when you're long on a position, you think that it's going to do well. So you're holding on to it for the long haul. You're waiting for it to improve. If you think something's going to go down, what your option is, is that you can borrow those shares. And this is pretty similar to your explanation, but you can borrow those shares to then go down and sell them at a lower price somewhere down the line. Yeah. So then when you have to buy that stock, it is a, you know, you're, you're buying it at a much lower price Mm -hmm. to sell it at that original price that you promised at. The 
the big things in the long and short positions that I like to tell people to keep in mind when you're talking about investing is if you go long on a position, let's just say that right now you buy GameStop. GameStop is around 180 bucks right now. If you buy one share of GameStop right now and they in the next six months go bankrupt and their stock goes absolutely to zero and you hold on to it the entire way down, you just lost yourself 180 bucks. Short positions, on the other hand, are infinitely worse. So let's say the inverse happens with the GameStop. It goes to the moon like everyone is wanting it to. <laughs> you set up your short position at 180 and it goes to 500 $1,000. Every dollar that it goes above that is a further loss that you're going to take. Mm -hmm. And there's no upper limit. I mean, obviously, there's theoretical limits in terms of price. <laughs> But there isn't a zero point that it's like, hey, it can't get any worse than this. Mm -hmm. And so that's the big part that I like to bring up with short selling, etc. So let me give you let me give you a bit of an analogy. I uh, did a little bit of searching here, did a little bit of analysis, trying to find the best thing that breaks it down. I've seen, you know, I've seen the Pokemon card analogy. I've seen the actual Pokemon analogy. Um, found another one that if no one else has seen it yet, it's the Nintendo Switch analogy. I thought it was a good tool. So let's imagine that there is a kid out there that he's got some rich parents. Got They all go to like a country club. Well, this rich kid in the mail at one day gets a coupon from GameStop. Let me restart because not restart, but I'm going to say, let's say he gets a coupon for Walmart just to keep GameStop out of this analogy <laughs> <laughs> to further keep the waters from muddy. Yeah. He gets a coupon for Walmart where he can get $20 off of a switch. So let's say the switch is 200 bucks. If he gets a $20 coupon off, he can buy that switch for 180 instead of 200 on that coupon. He finds out there's no limit to the amount of switches that you can buy with this coupon. So he could get $20 off every switch that he buys. He finds out, Rich Kid finds out that he can buy uh, the shipment of 100 switches that are going to come into Walmart in the next couple of months. So what he does is he's rich, but he isn't rich himself. He has to go to his parents. He has to go to his parents' friends. And he says, hey, I can get you a switch for 200 bucks. He does that and he promises them that they're all going to give him 200 bucks and he knows, hey, I can go get it for 180 bucks. I can make a profit of $20 per switch. I can make a $2,000 profit right here, right now, just by buying these switches at this lower price. So he's borrowing money from these other people, promising to get it to them at, the, at a certain price. Mm -hmm. What happened with GameStop? So that happens every day in the market, short selling. If it goes down in a lot of technical analysis and different types of analysis results in that stock dropping. So they get it cheaper. That happens. What happened with the GameStop, AMC, some of these other positions is if we go back to our analogy. Lane, Josh, you guys overhear this you know, rich kid. He's at your school. And he's bragging about how he's going to make all this money. Talks about his position that he is going to be getting the 100 switches that are over at Walmart for 180 and he's going to be making 20 bucks. 
you guys get the idea going of, hey, he's got to buy these. So you, you guys all don't have enough money to buy all 100 switches, but you get all of the podcast listeners, a bunch of other people in the Discord, whoever else, you get everyone together and say, hey, let's all buy one switch. Everyone goes out to Walmart, buys a switch for $200. A couple months go by, and the kid you know, goes to put in his uh, coupon at Walmart mm-hmm. and says, okay, here's my coupon, give me my 100 switches. Walmart looks at him and says, hey, we're all out of stock. Well, now that kid has to turn around and go get those switches elsewhere. He no longer has the discount. And so he's got to come to each one of you and say, hey, I want to buy your switches. I'll give you 200 bucks for it. That's what they're going for right now. And you go, no, you know what? I'm, I'm having fun with mine. I think I'm going to need a little bit more. It's also a great analogy because Nintendo Switch scalping is legitimately a thing. So you cannot <laughs> No joke. Oh, man. Yeah, especially with that OLED announcement. <laughs> I don't, side note, I don't get the OLED announcement. End of side note. <laughs> Just, um, but yeah, so now this kid has to go around he goes up to you know the country club, goes to his parents and uh, you know all their friends, and says, "Hey, I'm not going to be able to get those switches for you." Basically, all of those come, all of those parents, all those other, everyone else that wants their switch, probably getting it for kids for you know birthdays, Christmas, whatever it might be. Now they're panicking. Well, I have to get my switch. I'm going to go buy it off of someone else. Mm-hmm. So then people start coming. You guys, hey, I'm going to give you 300 bucks for it. Word gets around that Nate got offered 300 bucks for his switch. Josh is like, well, wait, if, if that's going to be the case, I'll keep holding it. Everyone keeps panicking, needing to get that switch. They need to fulfill that promise that they did. And so that price gets driven up and up and up. That in the very, very short explanation is kind of what happened. Mm-hmm. GameStop was promised to be sold for a certain price. So many people, you kind of saw the memes and all the other different things of the apes strung together, you know, hold on for dear life, whatever else you might've seen. Mm -hmm. All of that has some truth to it in the fact that enough people bought it and held on to it that it did cause an artificial floor to get risen on that price. Mm -hmm. Um, To put it in numbers, I just did a quick search on uh, GameStop 52-week range on GameStop. So the lowest point was $392. The highest was $483. <laughs> right now, it's, it's about $180. Bucks. AMC, pretty similar story. Not as crazy, but $1.91 a share. Now they're at $72 a share, or they're currently at $40 a share. Their highest was at $72. Some of the most interesting things about these companies is that, yes, they were, in fact... As people that as as people that enjoy video games, we can kind of see the writing on the wall. I think for GameStop, mm-hmm. GameStop is a brick and mortar retailer. When more and more, you know, games are being sold digitally, or Amazon is swooping in and dealing it, taking any of the physical copies that are being sold. And just just interrupt. I worked for GameStop for a few years, like fifteen years ago. Yeah, yeah. ish. <laughs> Yeah, 10, 15 years ago, I'm looking at them and I'm saying, hey, we have to adapt. Like it's moving to an online market. It's like you guys need to get on this quickly. And part of the problem with GameStop 
in particular, I mean, like one of the reasons that that store, the, the brick and mortar, it's not just that it's a brick and mortar, but that the entire company was built on sort of like this predator predatory practice like the 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 trades and everything and what a lot of people don't understand is they didn't really make a ton of money on hardware or new games sold any sort of profit margin was always on used accessories used consoles and used games i mean it's obvious because like yeah. you know it's like i bought this last week for 65 dollars, and they're like i'll give you 10 bucks and then you turn around and you watch them put a sticker on it for 50 bucks and and it's like well yeah that's that's sort of how it works but like yeah anyway it was like but yeah the the writing's been on the wall was on the wall for them for a while and it was just like and their version of adaptability was to start selling thinking think geek like yeah, um, yeah. online like that was are stepping into the coming years is going to be like to actually transform these into like hot topic lights. Yeah. And it's like, no guys, this, no, this is not what you need to be doing. Yeah. But now that anyways, said, I've made changes in the last several months that uh, do shift them towards an online economy. And so I guess that, I guess that's somewhat the interesting part of all of this is that these companies were bad. They are, they're not still a great model, but like, uh, AMC, for example, they were in some pretty heavy debt because of their shares getting so high up. They were actually able to issue more shares into the market because generally oh. well, the thing that's interesting with stocks is if I've got a thousand shares of Michael Baumeister Corpor Corporation, if I issue them at the market, whatever happens with all of those thousand shares, I don't see the dollar value you know if it goes up to a thousand dollars per share i don't get a thousand dollars every time someone buys it you're transacting with someone else on the third market their third party market amc during all of this was actually able to take some extra shares that it held push it into the market at those really high prices mm. receive that income themselves and were able to pay down some of their debt and so mm. their balance sheet is looking better than it was several mm. months ago mm. um yeah, so just a fun little fun little piece that I saw also about that is that they've been able to actually position themselves as a little bit better. Yeah, now, whether yeah. the movie theater will actually come back as any type of strong, viable solution, we'll see. Right. And my understanding, too, is that those companies in particular, like, they were short-sold so much because, like, because it seemed like the writing was on the wall. Yeah, and I guess so that, brings, that brings to another interesting point is that's kind of the basics of holding a long position, holding a short position. That being said, you know, the thing that I've kind of learned is you're never going to be the smartest guy in the room. And so, especially when it comes to investing, you're never going to be the smartest person. That being said, you know, there's, I'll say that right now it looks like there could be a potential that investing might change because of retail investors and because of individual investors. But the way that it has been run and the way that it especially was run very recently is that these short sellers basically were able to accelerate the inevitable. GameStop was going down. We kind of saw it. A lot of people saw it. So if everybody sees it and everybody knows it, well, might as well just short that thing all the way down to zero, get money along the way. That's what all of these big hedge funds that have lots and lots of money in. When you have lots and lots of short positions on a singular stock, that is one of the, that is an indicator to some investors that hey some of the smartest guys in wall street the guys that are graduating from top universities 
that are getting handpicked for their ability to analyze positions all think this stock is going to zero. What do I know that they don't know? So I should get out too. And so it kind of became its own self-fulfilling prophecy of if they think it's going down, then I want to get out too. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, GameStop became such a, so much of its self-fulfilling prophecy that it was more shares. And this is probably the thing that you guys have, you guys talked about it briefly and everyone's probably read it at this point. More shares were promised to be sold than there were so shares outstanding. Mm -hmm. And so um, I forget the guy's name, but the guy that started Wall Street Bets was doing this uh, like straight up in July or something of last year and saying this, and it kind of slowly gained some traction before it really just hit astronomic levels. Mm -hmm. um, but he was basically saying that, like, hey, this thing is so far shorted that all it's going to take is a bunch of people to all group together and do this. And that's essentially what happened. Um, and so to touch on, to go back to my other point of we might see a different way of investing is historically the what's called the smart money on Wall Street, the hedge funds that have billions and billions of dollars that they can you know, transact with a press of a button. Mm -hmm. They were the ones that everyone said, well, hey, if they're doing this, it's the equivalent of even if you're not an investor, there's the old saying of, or there's a whole bunch of people that I invest how Warren Buffett invests. Yeah. Warren Buffett bought this stock. He's got, he's got a load of money. He's got to know what he's doing. I'm about Warren stocks or uh, what uh, he's doing. Same thing was basically being done with what's called the smart money on Wall Street. Retail investors like you or I, we don't have all those tools. We don't have all the analysis. We're kind of, might be called the dumb money, might be called the retail investor. But yeah, the guy in Wall Street Bets basically figured out that if we do all of this in one, I mean, it's, there's a, the apes stand together analogy, the, you know, the, the sticks from Planet of the Apes, you know, all of that mm -hmm. works. That's exactly what happened. If you buy this, hold on to it, they're eventually going to have to buy it because there's a time bomb on that short sale where they're going to have to buy it. Mm -hmm. Where they, they have to produce. That's exactly it. So that's why, like, you know, I guess going back to my Nintendo Switch analogy, I should say that that coupon had a six-month expiration. He couldn't, he couldn't use the coupon until three months from now, but it expired fully in six months. So he had a three-month window where he had to be able to do that. And so that's essentially what happened with the Wall Street bets analogy is mm -hmm. all of this. They started needing more and more money. The biggest one, I don't know if you guys are familiar with names, it's been a little while now, is uh, Melvin Capital. That was the one that lost, but they had to borrow $3 billion. Um, otherwise, they were going to be going under. That was, I think that was like probably like the peak of everything going down. That was like a couple days before. Robin Hood started limiting the trades on all of those. Conveniently enough, Robin Hood's actually going public, so I guess this can still be a relevant mm -hmm. topic. Robin Hood is actually going public on Thursday, and so personally, oh, wow. I'm very excited to see what's going to happen with that. Mm -hmm. They caught, I mean, they caught a ton of flack because they were the ones that, like, at one point in time, prohibited users from selling or That's was it from buying you were okay, okay. buying five shares i think it was at one point um and that was all you could do you couldn't basically day trade it and uh yeah and the part that made it sticky is that 
going back to Melbourne Capital. Yeah, I was going to say, Josh, you look like you kind of remember this, but Melbourne Capital was about to go under. And so all of the Wall Street guys, they you know, know each other. And so one of the other um, big hedge funds, uh, Citadel, loaned the money over to them. Probably they made a good profit on it. They said, yeah, well, they probably had a nice little laugh, I'm sure, without knowing all the details of, hey, yeah, we'll loan that to you. By the way, charge us this payday loan style interest or something like that. Mm-hmm. But Citadel has a majority stakeholding in Robinhood. Uh... And so that's what made it sticky is everyone everyone saw the news and the next day Robinhood started limiting the trades. And everyone said, wait a second, this isn't adding up. Yeah. That being said, there are some rules and everything else like that, that uh, I'm not fully convinced that it was as as dirty as it looks. Okay. There are okay. different regulations that require companies to basically show proof of the, it, it, this dives into like economics 409, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, they basically require them to show some type of proof of these transactions, the ability to actually make these transactions. Mm-hmm. And Robinhood basically didn't have the ability to do that. So that's where the limits came from. Mm. Ah. That, that being said, the timing was very... <laughs> As the kids would say, sus. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, Getting back to video games. Real sus. Um, so I'm curious because I had heard like, oh, I don't know the proper term, but like overshorting it. So what you were talking about earlier, how it was shorted over the amount of stock that was actually out there. And I, again, I'm using the total wrong terms. Um, I had heard that that was actually illegal. Is that true? Illegal? No. Okay. But I mean, when you think of it, it's one of those things that legal no, in terms of just like a pure logic, right? right. you're like, wait a second, you can't do that. <laughs> and that's basically what this came down to. Yeah. And yeah. last I checked, so the, I think it was at like 140%, 150 was the rounded, but I think it was somewhere around the 140% short Whoa. Uh, interest. And the part that's very interesting to me now is clearly people have learned their lesson because when I tried to do some research today, I think some of the highest short interest positions, at least from what I could see reported, was it was a couple of random holdings and it was some mm-hmm. I think it was close to like twenty percent. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> so these hedge funds back up and say, <laughs> like me. Not this game. Such a We're not gonna make this one the next game style. Yeah. Um, well and it, it seems like too, like that was part of the problem. So that they were basically gaming this system. And they were able to do it because nobody really paid attention or knew what was going on. And then as soon as it sort of becomes public knowledge and the public really, I don't know, gets involved and like, yeah, you know, it it's like a meme. <laughs> yeah. It, well, as soon as it became a meme and it's like, you know, we talk about sometimes the self-regulation of the market and here it's like, this is in some ways, like this whole thing is self-regulation. It's like you have, you have these people who are sort of, they're not using inside information. This isn't insider trading or anything like that, but it's like they have a tool set and a skill set and access to information that maybe isn't, it's not hidden. It's not whatever, but it's when all of a sudden it's like basically almost sort of like nerfing the system. It's like, well, you can do this, but you're also going to be now, now that people are a little more aware, it's like, you're going to be punished. Like, <laughs> it's like, if you try to do this again, 
it's some of like, it's like, well, this is the way that it's going and it's based on projection. And it mm -hmm. is for lack of a better term, it is sort of a gamble, but these guys had just weighted the decks so heavily because no, and it was like, you're playing at a table where no one else is playing, but you and your friends and you guys know how to just like clobber the house. Like, mm -hmm. you know, how infinite to infinite money skills, glitch. Yeah, it's like an infinite money glitch almost in real life. And then all of a sudden, like th this corrective force is like, well, it just was a very interesting scene to me, like, because you're you're basically, you know, for lack of a better word, you're watching these people who have had sort of access to this power. Right. You know, and I hate to make everything about power dynamics, um, but it's like they, they have all this sort of like unchecked power when it comes to financial manipulation and stuff. And then all of a sudden, like this process gets democratized and like, you know, some knucklehead from Hoboken is like, I'm going to buy me, you know, 15 stocks. And it's like, but the guy who needs that 15 stocks is like, I need that. And the guy from Hoboken's like, yeah, well, moon. you can have it for, he's like, yeah, he's, he's looking at it saying like, to the moon, pal, to the moon. I mean, this is, this is literally the, you know, scalping of GameStop. That's that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. No, that's a great way to, it's the best way to simplify it. There's a mm. lot going on and I'm sure there's going to be people that call it out and say, you know, well, what about the premiums and everything else that you pay on it? And yes, there's lots of details that go into it. But at the same time, I'm not here to give a three hour long course on short positions. Mm. I, I passed my financial planning exam in November of last year. I legitimately oh. took the course that took an hour and a half to explain all of these things mm. just on that piece, let alone everything else. So it's like, I'm not here to give all of that. Mm -hmm. But one thing that, okay, so one thing you did say, Nate, I thought was interesting. So you said it basically was, you know, the guy in Hoboken, you know, Hoboken just, just buying it and, you know, doing that. And all these guys that had the smart money dealing with it that way. The thing that I thought was interesting is when I said there's a new way of investing is basically come about as this. So once again, you're not the smartest guy in the room. Something that I always remember, something that I always keep in the back of my mind with whatever I'm doing. You're not the smartest guy in the room when it comes to this. So there is basically a sect of Wall Street and a sect of day traders and a sect of people that have infinitely more analysis than us. They can see where the next Wall Street bets is going to go. And so this is where I say that things can swing the other direction is, okay, everyone was in the short positions. Now there is not all of it, but there is some smart money that's instead of having to react to what's going on with Wall Street bets, they're playing along with it. They're not leading the charge, but they're going, um, I think the most recent one was there was that Tesla um, competitor, Lucid. Either way, Lucid was, a, it's another electric car company that mm. recently went public people decided to start getting behind that. Some of the smart money saw that and said, hey, this is going to go down similar to GameStop. We're going to pile some smart money in. So now you've got retailer money as well as smart money that are going into this stock. So then it's pushing it up instead of pushing it down. And so that's where typically when it comes to the smart money on Wall Street, they kind of generally ignore. They do what they want and most people follow suit. And then we're seeing almost this shift where 
some of them are starting to go, hey, let's go pay attention to what Joe Schmo with $1,000 in his investing account has to say hmm. because they're all working together. Because mm-hmm. it is democratized, because it is popularized, it, it did fade a little bit. We'll see that, you know, I, I go with GameStop and AMC because they're the clearest winners right. out of all this. That being said, there's been 10, 15 plus meme stocks that have come mm-hmm. about since then. Mm-hmm. Those numbers aren't nearly as high for any of those for the fact that, yeah, you've got five different people telling you to invest in eight different stocks on any given day if you go to Wall Street bets at this point, mm-hmm. as opposed to the early days when it was every single one of those members pumping up one or two stocks. And so the big thing that you see now is rather than 1,000% returns, you see some very positive returns, but you see lower highs and a lot more volatility. Like it Mm. was, all these stocks were volatile from the get-go, but now you're seeing it where it's going to go up, down, up, down, up, down. GameStop had a couple of days there where it just was like, oh, 50%, oh, 100%, oh, you know, just through the roof for a little while there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember looking at some of like the growth charts or whatever <laughs> on game GameStop stock. And I'm like, Oh wow. Like, no, thank you. Because it's like, it's like up, up, up. And then there would just be like these parts where it would just like tank. But then it would like within hours or minutes, it would just shoot right back up and it keep going. And it's like, no, like I have enough anxiety in my life as a general rule that like that kind of stuff. I was like, no, I think too. just, you know, in hindsight, one of the things I think is like when people part of it was that you had a lot more people who were sort of at home and they were able to follow this stuff. Hmm. They were able to be a lot more on top of this. Whereas like the way that I invest is much more passive. It's like, oh, I have some money in a Roth IRA. I have some money, like, because I'm a federal employee, I have money in um, what we call a TPS or a thrift sa- or a TSP, thrift <laughs> savings plan. It's basically a federal Roth IRA kind of 401k option. Um, and I do have a very small portfolio that I actually need to sort of maybe pay attention to, but it's, I mean, it's very small and it's just kind of like, and again, I am not a financial expert. I actually listen to other people and my stock portfolio, the guy who handled that for a while, I listened to him, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I listened to uh, like, you know, and the, I, there's some people like, as far as like how my thrift savings plan is handled, there's a guy that, he he sort of comes in and he coaches other federal employees. He's like, the this is like these are the most dynamic sort of like this is sort of set it up like this, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, like I said, the way that I do it is I'm much more passive. I also don't put all my eggs in one basket. Like it's like I sort of put some money in there, I check on it in six months, if that. And then I sort of like I go back on living. And if I have some growth. Hooray. I think the the other thing too is like, and, and, and I heard this one, this one is not, but as a general rule, and I think this is more common sense than anything else, but it's like, I was thinking about it as like a lot, part of the problem for a lot of these companies is that they were putting money into this that they actually couldn't afford to lose. 
And, you know, we talked about, uh, is it Melvin Financial or whatever, that $3 billion deficit or whatever, and it's, it had to be bailed out to the tune of three, $3 billion. $3,000 is a drop in the bucket. But, <laughs> and it's like, it's like part of the problem is they were betting with money that they could not afford to lose. And I think one of the the biggest sort of just personal takeaways is like, if you cannot afford to lose this money, you probably shouldn't be playing with like, you, you know, it's like if you need to, it, it's kind of the, the, a similar idea. It's like, if you need to pay rent, you shouldn't go out to the tracks with that paycheck, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's not, it, this is apples and oranges kind of stuff. But with any of this, it's like, if you can't afford to lose it or some of it or all of it, maybe you shouldn't put, put it there. But, uh, you know, and that was, these were some of the, like the, the takeaways for me in this. And I was just thinking like, Americans have a really bizarre relationship with money. I mean, when you look at federal spending and just the federal government and how they just, they consistently, and even on a state level, fail to manage to balance budgets. I like, <laughs> listen, you have X and you have Y and you, you know, between those two numbers, you need to get it to come out either like positive or at least zero, you know, and somehow they always, they're like, no, we're going to spend way more than we're bringing in. And I'm like, trillions a, more. That's a terrible idea. Can, as, a, as a person that lives in both the U.S. and Illinois, I know very much about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <So> okay. <laughs> yes. Oh. I, but uh, the, the part that gets hard with governments is the it, money becomes more of a concept than a, Mm-hmm. reality and the fact that for you and I we can't we can't make a thousand dollars and spend twelve hundred dollars in a given month and do that consistently America can in a way and mm-hmm. that's the, I'm not going to go deep into that but it's basically because they're the biggest most important guy in the room they kind of deal with everyone else deals with it mm-hmm. the, the yeah. rough explanation. I think Though for me, and just like sort of looking at that global thing, like what happens when the people that like these other countries and other institutions that we're borrowing from or that we're whatever, like my concern is always like, because I think about that, like a, a man is a slave to the lender. And it's like, what happens when some of these other countries and organizations are like, hey, it's time to pay the piper. And, you know, of course, we'll turn around and we'll be like, we'll look at somebody else that owes us and we'll be like, we'll put the squeeze on them a little bit. But it's it's just like one of these things, like basically I've heard that modern global economics, that basically these countries, a lot of the Western economies, right? And and again, this is just like that basically they're operating and this is a, a, a super simplified, dumbed down version, but it's like, they just, they're like, we just keep we just keep borrowing against nothing. Like everybody's everybody's borrowing against X, Y, and Z. And because it's if just, any one person calls the other person's, everybody else collapses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a rough version of it. Obviously, yeah. there's a lot more to break down yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, China. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> there's that too well that i think that's actually a great segue just before we got you know like two minutes or whatever so what exactly is crypto i'm kidding that was just a joke (laughs) that's terrible josh like i was i was actually gonna do that (laughs) at some point in time um i mean we've talked sort of about the the general 
sort of like game stonks, like the, the initial sort of push. And then we've talked a little bit about the current landscape and we've talked about like just things to maybe keep in mind if you're looking at investing or whatever. And again, big, bold disclaimer here, not, this is not advice. Like if you put a bunch of money into something and you're like, because Nate told me to, uh, one, I didn't tell you to put money in anything. Uh, to or none of us told you to put money in anything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just you know, the we, we talk, we try to talk that. Uh, see, I had that sweet, the the sweet baby Davy B, and now it's like, and now it's just like the, it <laughs> is is coming now. Um, I used it up. All my my mojo, my mouth mojo is gone. Um, and we've talked about just some of the lessons to be learned here. Like you know, so we talk, we talk. We try, uh, <laughs> we try to talk principally versus specifically. And mm -hmm. Michael, I, I so you are doing the beatdown with us this year, and, and the whole the whole thing with the the beatdown is actually for me, it's a way for me to sort of just be a little bit more mindful about playing and buying and just kind of like establishing those healthy rhythms. Uh, but you know, I have you here. It would just be interesting, like, how do you specifically budget for gaming and entertainment? And, like, what are some of the things that you do to sort of help you keep, you know, that, that backlog trim? Or maybe not. Maybe, like, because, well, here's the thing. We started to, we, we did the original uh, backlog golf a couple years ago. And we took a year off. And I bought a ton <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> like a ton because I, I was like, oh no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Where like the, the primary goal of like the, the beat down is really just about practicing mindfulness when it comes to purchasing and, and playing. But anyways, I, I would just be interested in sort of like, what are some of your like personal, like entertainment budgeting tips slash practices? So great question. So I'll I'll start by bringing you out to the macro version and say, you know, what's my what's my tip for budgeting entertainment and budgeting games? First thing first is, as simple as it sounds, you need to actually make a budget. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Now that being said, I'm not I'm not telling you to go out and only use a checkbook and you know balance your account and make sure that everything is exactly as you say it is every single month. I don't do that. But uh, for me, you know, I'm, I'm a person that likes spreadsheets, obviously part of a big part of my job. I legitimately make, I made a monthly budget and said, okay, here's our income. Here's where our expenses are. I know that I can't change my student loan, student loan payments unless the government changes it for me. So thank you very much for that for the past 12 months. Um, <laughs> you know, whatever else it might be, you know, I can't change my house payment. I can't change this, this, and this, these things are locked in. You lock in those things first. Then from there, you kind of build out and say, okay, what are the other things that I need? Well, I need to drive to my job. So I'm going to have to budget gas. Maybe I budget a little bit more so that I'm not just going to work. I can, you know, go to a couple of fun things a month, whatever else it might be, but kind of have a rough outline. And for me, build that out. Okay. I'm in a cash flow positive situation. Things are looking good with my budget. Um, and also in that budget, I, I generally suggest that you actually build in some type of savings. If you're looking to get a house in the next five, 
however many years or you want to have a big ticket item or you want to have a nice down payment for a car building up that and saying hey i need to put 50 dollars a month towards that whatever else it might be have that built into your budget so that it's not oh i'll do what i can elsewhere or do it sometime later so that would be the first thing and then with that i would say just make sure that you're revisiting that that's not weekly that's not daily that's not even monthly i probably do it a couple times a year at most and say hey you know the the biggest version of our we've, we've kind of gotten into our groove is my wife will basically just ask me hey how are we doing on my money i'll check our couple of bank accounts okay we're here a little bit higher than we were last time kind of in line with what i would expect if it's ever a little bit lower we kind of do a quick revisit oh you know what we did have six birthdays this year oh you know what we did just finish up christmas or whatever else it might be okay things went down a little bit but that's to be expected but having at least some type of idea that there's the the concept and there's kind of the joke but I, I i don't like it it's a very negative concept in my opinion where people are like oh man i don't want to check my bank account and it's like you don't know what that roughly is that's that's a, a huge part if you don't know what's in there you shouldn't be going out and getting <laughs> yeah um, so no, that's, that's the first step in making sure that you have a budget. The other thing that I would suggest, I'm going to give a couple of, not plugs, but it's uh, different gaming things and different things like that, is just making sure you're using your resources well. Do you need that? Best example, there's a flea market by me that every time I go to it, there's a guy that sells a bunch of video games, and every single time I I his little glass case of things because he's got his one time he had a copy of is it mother and he had it like it was like 300 bucks or something like that and it was oh, gone within a couple hours but like he's got like different <laughs> things like that he's got his black black label perfect condition version of final fantasy 7 for the ps1 in there that's you know do i need to buy that version or can i go and buy the digital version it's probably on sale at some point in the next six months for five bucks or less. Don't get the thing that you want. Get the thing that you can use to enjoy the game. I'm not going to get more enjoyment out of my game. Maybe once in a while I'll get something physical or something that I say, you know what, I really do want that. That one's important to me. They come out with a nice collector's edition of you know Kingdom Hearts game. That one might get me. But even then, being smart about it. Beyond that, it's being smart with resources. So whether it's PlayStation Plus, Game Pass is obviously the number one. The best value in gaming. At least that's what everybody is. tells me. I'm a, I'm a Sony pony and I do it because I can play on my PC a little bit, even though I don't do much of that, and I can stream on my phone. Like, it's, it's immense value for that. Switch Online, once again, a lot of you guys seem to be huge retro gamers and the fact that I'm not... Um, Switch online for all of the complaints and all of the lack of some of the library. At the end of the day, almost the entire, I feel, NES or Super Nintendo libraries are probably close to on there at this point. I don't know. I don't keep up with it. Um, they're substantial. I mean, there's some noticeable gaps. Besides and, Earth, right? Is that the one that... Um, I mean, there, there's like almost all of the, the old school Final Fantasy titles are missing. Okay, but that's, that's more of a Square Enix. Yeah, that's just Square Enix. I think is like one of those those brands that. I mean, I think the the thing when it comes to Nintendo, they they value their own brand, and they mm -hmm. they never really allow their 
like there's a reason that no first party Nintendo games ever really go on sale. That's the, there's a reason that you can buy the the cartridge day one or the the you know whatever, and that ten years later. <laughs> It's you're going to be paying full price, like because they just don't do that. A little bit of market, you know, numbers manipulation, but also they're battling. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and mm. it's and it's like Square Enix is probably right up there with them. I think Square Enix is probably a little more predatory and not as consumer friendly. Like, like there's a reason why that the Final Fantasy Collection released as it did because it probably will release again in a year and a half after all the people have bought it begrudgingly what is it only on steam right now it'll be on pc and mobile and i'm guessing in a year and a half it'll come to xbox and playstation and all the people that bought it then are going to go well now i have an easier way to play it and so they're going to buy it again squares i i love my kingdom hearts but they are terrible <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not going to pretend that well and it's just like when it comes to squaresoft I'm, or square enix rather i'm like do you guys not read Twitter? Because I, I, I recently heard, like, they said the, their response was, like, somebody flat out asked them, will this be coming to consoles? And they're like, well, if there's enough interest. And I'm like, have you not been paying attention to this thing called the internet? Like, anybody who loves any of, like, for me, Final Fantasy VI is, like, high watermark Final Fantasy. And I'm like, Final Fantasy IX is pretty great, too. But I'm just kind of like, uh, okay. <laughs> it's like, why, why is this one not a little more important? Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, dude, like people have been like screaming, like foaming at the mouth, begging for some sort of re-release that isn't that weird mobile version of Final Fantasy VI. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and you guys are like, we're going to do these HD pixel remaster things and only on PC and mobile and everybody's like what yeah <laughs> it's well it's- i mean the, you know you talked about final fantasy 7 remake they did the same thing with that when there was that big announcement i want to say it was e3 it might have been the game awards i'm pretty sure it was e3 when it's like final fantasy 7 is coming and everyone freaked out and it was like a re-release on playstation 4 the the sony playstation it's, network it's a PC, and everyone's it's just a, like it's a port of the pc version like, why yes. yeah yeah exactly and then the year afterwards they announced the remake after that and they're like what you guys do you you want to replay right yes yeah exactly so Dude, that's, it's like, that's just how it goes it's like the you guys don't have phones kind of moment and right. it's like but they do this to us all the time yeah, like true. all the time and we keep coming back they, they did it they did it to us i actually didn't buy it i i stayed strong so i guess that's one of the few things i also didn't play is the uh remind dlc where they did a, a little bit of square enix trickery and did a kingdom hearts dlc that uh did a little bit more story but it didn't do a lot but at the same time oh, okay. it wasn't like kingdom hearts 3 where there was almost no story it was all story related so everyone went out and paid 30 bucks or whatever it was for the dlc mm-hmm. either way so no so but anyways yeah your subscription service is absolutely going to be some of the best tools a couple other tools that i like to tell people of is once again for those retro gamers the different collections i didn't oh, yeah. never really had much of one but i bought i think it was actually through one of your guys's recommendations in the deal section on the discord um the sega collection on switch oh yeah and 
you know, I, I, I abuse safe states. I'm going to say that right now. So don't think yeah. of me any less, but like beating streets of rage, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Semi fun. The last boss got a little like, okay, this is absurd. <laughs> but like getting those collections, I think that when we bought, when I bought it on that sale, I think that it was like a couple bucks. I want to say it was like two or three bucks. It's like, I've got this entire, I've got most of the major Sega Genesis games now sitting on my switch and I can play it at any point mm-hmm. there, there goes any need for any more retro purchases. Mm-hmm. So yes, there's that. And then the final thing, this is the most important part of my budgeting and Josh, I heard you re- reference it earlier. So I think that you might be a semi person, your local library. I heard you say something about Hoopla. It's, yes. And no. Uh, yeah, I, I do audiobooks through the library all the time. Like that's, that's my primary place of getting audiobooks. My library does not carry video games. Now, here's my question for you. And so for some people, it's the case. And so for that, I apologize for those people. <laughs> Have you checked your library system? Your library might not. My library bought video games when I first started you know, using it a couple of years ago. And I also plug it, FYI, full disclosure, my wife previously worked at a library before. Nice. So I, 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 lo- I love the library. Um, mm-hmm. No, I like to use the... Uh, the avatar meme like oh, to the library all the time um, <laughs> but uh the like my local library they their collection was ps3 games ps4 games like madden and fifa and wii u games and this was like several years into this <laughs> being released <laughs> so nice. like they were terrible at it that being said the entire network of libraries that it was a part of there are some that did buy it. So like recent examples of that new Pokemon snap. I didn't pay for it. I'm getting a, I think it's a three week checkout period. So I get three weeks with that game. That is plenty enough time to enjoy that. Maybe at some point I can recheck it out and I can play, you know, I don't get the freedom of getting to choose exactly the day I want to play it. But if I get a hankering for it, I can put it on hold and eventually get it. But I get enough time with a lot of these games that I have a tangible experience with it. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm on the wait list, but probably sometime in the next month and a half, two months, I'm going to be getting Ratchet and Clank uh, Rift Apart coming in. Okay. And it's like, instead of those two games alone, that would have been 120 bucks that I would have blown, or 130 bucks now with the new PS5 pricing. Um, that would have been 130 bucks that I would have already blown through this year. Instead zero dollars off i'm still getting to play those games um and then i can budget it for something i truly care about i didn't like the game in the end unfortunately but i cared about the last of us two last year i needed to know that story i couldn't wait three months to know what that story was because i was invested and i didn't want to read any spoilers i don't really care about spoilers for ratchet and clank or anything else like that so i'll Mm -hmm. rent those cuts out um you know so i'll buy those ones day one but that way I'm able to cut my games of, hey, here's the, you know, if I look at a list and say, hey, here's the, here's the 10 games I want to play this year that are coming out, I can cut that list down to maybe three purchases. Nice. In addition to that stuff, there are, you know, sort of even like paying it to, and we have like the, the channel and the Discord as well. But like a lot of that stuff comes from either Wario64 on Twitter or CAG cheap butt gamers you know but it's like and there there are reddit threads that 
when I was more active on Reddit, there were certain Reddit threads I followed because it was like this, they would tell you sort of like every week, like what, like I could just check and say, this is all the stuff that's on sale on PlayStation 4 or whatever given platform. But I think it's sort of unspoken, but well, you, you said it, but two, one of the things that's important there is this thing, distinguishing between uh, wants and needs, that's a given, but also even in so, so when you're borrowing Pokemon Snap from the library, you're like, I have it for three weeks. That's enough time to play the game. And maybe I'll want to come back and revisit it or check it out again. But it's acknowledging like sort of a, a, a time frame and saying like, this is the time that I have to, to spend on X, like the time and energy and attention. It's basically budgeting your time for it. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's that as well. But and then also distinguishing between like, this is a borrow and this is a buy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the the Last of Us versus Rift Apart. And it's something that I've talked about from time to time. And eventually I will just sit down and formalize it. But like one of the things that I'd like to do with the breakdown, you know, book club stuff is start a lending library where it's like, because I have a fairly substantial physical collection. Uh, Josh does as well. And there are a few other people. And just like sort of, you know, obviously you need to build some safeguards in there, but it's like, yeah, like if you have friends that have the games, borrow it from them first. And if it, like, because sometimes like, you know, be able to distinguish between the stuff that's like, I need to own this versus like, I just want to play this. Cause there's a lot of stuff where it's like, after I've played through it, I'm done with it and I move on. And I never come back to it, even though I'm like, I might come back around to this someday. It's like the reality is like 90% of the time, I just don't. (laughs) Yeah. If I go for a platinum, I need to do it on the way for that exact reason. Mm -hmm. Very few games after I get that world credit situation really get me to come back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there are some games that sort of stay evergreen. Like I'll be honest, I you know just sort of like in current gaming news, like the the remake of Dead Space has me Mm -hmm. like super hyped. Mm -hmm. I am so like so jazzed about that, and especially if they keep it in sort of like the Resident Evil Two style remake, where it's like it's true to the basic core of the game, but it's got you know some quality of life updates and some surprises. Because, I mean, like, dude, like, the thing is, the original Dead Space, I could probably play that thing in my sleep. I mean, I've, I I play it every couple of years. And, yes, some of the jump stairs, jump stairs, oh, yeah, jump scares still get me from time to time. But for the most part, like, I know the the overall story beats of that game. It's just, mechanically, it's such a satisfying game for me as well. But, like, now that you, you're, they're giving me this this fresh, new, current gen, it's going to take it all the bells and whistles, I'm like, hmm, gimme, gimme. <laughs> Turn on that 60 frames per second version. <laughs> mm, I'm going to be dismembering Necromorphs in 60 frames, suckas. Another thing that I think is important when you're looking at the wants versus needs is the time frame on those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the there's the timeless joke that every single year rings true, and I love it, is uh, never buy a Ubisoft game at full price. <laughs> mm. <laughs> what Assassin's Creed Valhalla was what, like 30% off within like the first like two or three months of it releasing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, and, and another one that I had been not not necessarily eyeing, but like kind of piqued my interest for a while was the um, what the Immortals Phoenix Rising, right? Something like that. Perfect example. Yes. Where it was like. It came out at 60 bucks. Dude, within a month, it hit like 40. And then within like three months, you could see it for like 25, like yep. even on the Switch. And I was like, whoa, maybe I should pick it. I never did. I heard it was good, but just. Nah. That was actually a rent from the library. I didn't finish okay. it, but I'm going to re rent it because it was fun. But I was. Okay. But yes, that's yeah. exactly And that right. was like, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, it, its own property too. You know, it wasn't even like one of the Assassin's Creed. Yet. So I was surprised to see, like even on Switch, the, the price tanked so quickly. There but you yeah, you know, but, but kind of being able to pay attention. If you think that, you know, there's a couple of Nintendo properties that are solid, you know, Animal Crossing. I've rented a couple times and I just haven't mm-hmm. paid up the money. I know that that's a buy. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's not one that I rent and play for a couple times. That's an ongoing one. Um, Mario Odyssey was one that I valued as more than just a more than just a rent because mm-hmm. it is fun. I don't do it very often or as often as I'd like, but it is fun to go back and say, you know what, I'm gonna go get a couple moons. Mm. You know, yeah, something like that. Um, even Breath of the Wild, I'll go clear out a couple of the dungeons every once in a while. That game's fun to just uh, dive into and kind of ride around for a little bit. Mm-hmm. That being said, a PlayStation property. A Ubisoft property, one of those ones that Ratchet and Clank, if I wanted to buy it, and if I told myself I really don't need to play that, there's going to be probably a 50% off deal come Black Friday, sometime around that, right around the holidays. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if they did that then. If you wait long enough, almost anything will be about 20 bucks. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. they all sit around that price. Even if it goes back up to full price on the, or it never drops digitally, like a lot of times, like you, you can already find uh, copies of Returnal physically, fifty percent off at this, like thirty, forty bucks at this point. I, actually, I need to get around to playing that. Logan uh, from TRG actually gifted me a copy of that oh. for my fortieth. Yeah, he's a, he's a sweetheart. Uh, <laughs> my fortieth was just kind of. There was a lot of like onions being cut that day or something, you know, it was, <laughs> it was real weird. Um, I don't know who's cutting all those onions, but uh, there are a lot of, a lot of really good words. And uh, anyway, but so I, I do need to get around to playing that um, because that, that is definitely like, that's what we call Nate bait. It just, I think, like I said, it's about mindfulness. It's saying like, okay, like, mm-hmm. you know, and just sort of like thinking ahead a little bit and instead of being sort of just reactionary and like, gimme. I mean, there's obviously like I just was I was like, hey, uh, Dead Space remake, gimme, um, you know, and Silk Song, gimme. Um, yeah, it's kind of how I went with the Shin Megami Tensei four, also so, or five, excuse me. If so. Silk Song ever comes out, right? Oh, Silk Song's coming out. Don't 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 say if. I right, yeah, I I totally get that. I totally understand. It's been a long time since it was announced, since it's shown off, and like you could, it's like playable, you know, demos and stuff like that. I totally understand that. At the same time, it's such a small team, and Hollow Knight was so good. Take all the time you want, mm-hmm. like just so long as you put out a good product. It's just a funny joke at this point, right? Yes, something yes. That one once again, someone that liked Kingdom Hearts three. I have to throw that around when I get. The <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you it's go. like you basically waited all of like somebody's like high school career, you mm-hmm. know, like junior high you, and high school. You waited career. a dozen Kingdom Hearts games to finally get <laughs> Kingdom Hearts three. <III. laughs> 
I I think I literally was like a junior in high school, and oh, I and it was after I graduated college. That's I'm, crazy. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, like I was in my early 20s when I first played Kingdom Hearts, and yeah, wow. <laughs> okay, now I'm old. I'm gonna go like cry in a corner, but um. Yeah, no, it just sees, like I said, speaking principally, like it's like, you know, wait, like unless unless it is sort of like that, you absolutely have to have it. Like mm. there are some properties and part of it is I'm a bit of a sucker and part of it is I don't always exercise a, a ton of self-control. But there, there's stuff where I've like, like I've gone on record, like I've bought Diablo 3 like eight times, you know, mm. um, I've bought Shadow of the Colossus like five you know, there are certain games that I will just like, they're like, hey, new version. I'm like, like, I'm like, I'm throwing my wallet at them, you know. Um, but I think for the most part, what I've always found helpful is about the book club and just the backlog breakdown community in general is like this encouragement, like as especially as we've all sort of gotten a little older is like, just wait, just wait. Like it's gonna like, you know, it's been sort of a, a, a moderating, like a voice of moderation and just saying like a lot, a lot of times, like, you know, just be mindful, but like, if you wait, there's actually, you're rewarded for that. And I'll say that, you know, one, it can be difficult to do that, but you're the gamification, I guess is the best way to put it of clearing out games that you already own because everyone that says that I need I could easily look and say, I need Kino when it comes out, whenever it's supposed to come out. I am super hyped to play that. And it's like almost there into the need to play. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I can exercise a little bit of restraint. At that point, Ratchet and Clank will probably be in, you know, whatever else might be going on. And then PlayStation Plus has been kicking out some, you know, banger free games the last couple of months. Mm. And so I've got those that I haven't touched. Dude, that Plague Tale PS5. I am so excited to though. Yeah. <laughs> it it looks pretty dope. But yeah, like that's exactly it. It's like I've got other things. Kina could easily be a must buy for me. And instead I'm pushing it off to probably a rent. Um that being said, one other thing that I like to do is if something is a really good rent. Um, I'm trying to think of the last time that I had that melody of memory. I don't like supporting Square all the time, but at the same time, that game was good enough that I want to show my support for that game besides for just playing it. So I am going to go out and buy a copy of it at some point. Mm. I don't know the next time I'll be buying it or I'll be playing it, but at the same time, I want to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. My little piece of, here's yeah. that. It's a bit Kino, of voting with your wallet. Kino absolutely could be the exact same way. I could see myself super digging that game when it comes out and saying you know what kudos to you guys for making a great game even if i don't touch it again or if i don't touch it again for the next couple of years you know but it is yeah. it is a it's a self-control thing mm -hmm. yeah well we've we've sort of game stonked and financed ourselves you know all the way to the end of an episode here gentlemen I, I think I can confidently say that this episode was money. So, oh, it's money, baby. It's so money. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not sorry, but I'm kind of sorry. I'm ashamed. The, I'm not as sorry. As the uh, Zoomers may call, is it uh, cash money? There, yes, there you go. 
That's cash money, baby. <laughs> stupid kids and their stupid words. Um, <laughs> get off my lawn. Speaking words. Uh, but um, yeah, th- this was uh, a real, uh, this has been a pleasure. Uh, just, you know, as we're sort of wrapping up, just before we go any further, Michael, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you so much for hopping on the mics and uh, just, you know, sort of dumping some knowledge on our dumb heads. Mm-hmm. I appreciated it. Mm-hmm. I know that we can find you online. Do you want to share those details with anybody? I'll say that I probably should know my handles a little bit better at this point. I'm, I'm semi-active, trying to get a little bit more active on Twitter. Um, not really much of a social presence in general, but generally anywhere that you can search. If you search Baumeister32, you know, that's what I'm in the Discord. That's what I'm in just about everywhere. It's where I'm on PlayStation, what I am on, I think, you know, whatever the, it's basically anywhere that you can find me. My name is already hard enough to find, let alone a 32 after it. There's not 32 <laughs> anymore. So I, I appreciate that consistent branding, like Nate mm-hmm. underscore McKeever. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm there. I'm there for you, buddy. Um, but yeah, so no, you can find me there, and obviously you can you know just reach out to me in the Discord as well. Happy to happy to run through and give unofficial, no actual guidance, but uh, mm-hmm. here's some discussion on investing or finance <laughs> or whatever else it may be. <laughs> Entertainment advice as it relates to finances. <laughs> exactly. There we go. <laughs> Awesome. Well, if you want to get in that Discord, Discord, uh, just let us know. We can get you in. We can find. I'm. I'm sure I can find a way to create like a, a static link. There's I just haven't found a way to. There's do that. pinned. It's a pinned. I I don't know if it's a pinned tweet. Okay, but it's on. It's available on our Twitter somewhere. Fantastic. It's. I think one of the announcements in the book club. Cool. It's. It's out there. We can. We can get that to you. Awesome. And there's tons of ways that you can reach out to us. You know, like, like uh, Nate mentioned, Twitter handle is at bbdowncast. Email us at the backlog breakdown at gmail.com. Uh, and then on Facebook, we have the group, the hashtag backlog book club. Um, and if you want to support the podcast, we do also have a Patreon. Um, you, you can get some uncut episodes. You can get the video of the episodes when we do those as well. Our bro hangs, all kinds of fun little goodies. Um, if you want to drop some money into the tip jar, that's pretty simple. Just patreon.com slash the backlog breakdown. Josh, where can they find you on the social medias? Oh, yeah. I generally go by Broccolope. That's a B-R-O-C-C-O-L-O-P-E. Uh, yeah, yeah. If not my name, then, you know, Josh Broccolo is kind of a unique name. So Google that and you can find all kinds of stuff, unfortunately. Broccoli Josh. There you go. <laughs> And I am Nate underscore McKeever on pretty much every platform. So nice, Josh, I think uh, we have sort of accomplished our goals for tonight mm-hmm. for uh, this this episode. Uh, again, Michael, thank you so much for hopping on the mics with us. You're the man. And until next time, Josh, we've, we've done our thing. Mm-hmm. What should they do? Guys, keep beating down your backlogs and we'll keep breaking down the benefits.
performance is not investment advice. Um, the uh, past performance is not indicative of future results. Whatever else you want to throw in there, yes. all of that. You know, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I like that. <laughs> that 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 semi-professional shtick. It's uh comes with years of practice. 